Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Good morning. For those of you who uh, don't know me, my name is David Harrington. I'm the location pastor here at our Sunset Hills location. Um, I've got a couple individuals up here with me I'll introduce in just a moment. Uh, Brian uh, Mowry, our lead pastor, is at our city location this morning, and they're doing a team talk uh, over there. And, and, um, uh, and if I haven't met you, I'd love to meet you following the service, love to connect with you, uh, to answer any questions you have or share more about uh, growth track, what Joel was talking about. And uh, man, uh, just to, I want to say as well, just the gap year has been such a blessing. I mean, Joel mentioned it, but like so, so many things behind the scenes that you wouldn't know they were involved in and they have grown so much. Um, and if you're here for longer than a Sunday, you'll know I'll get emotional like every, like every five minutes. So, um, but seeing them worship here, like in the front row, like uh, uh, it's just, it's just incredible. Like God's done things in their heart this year that's been very encouraging. So very, very proud uh, proud of them and sad to see them, sad to have this gap year uh, end, uh, but we know that God has more for them. Um, well, if you've been with us, we have been walking through the book of Matthew for some time, and uh, we're going to continue that this morning, and, and, uh, and uh, uh, we're going to jump into things. But, for, you know, uh, have you ever heard of those stereograms? You know what a stereogram is? I don't even know if I'm saying the word right, but it's those hidden pictures, the picture. In fact, we got a slide of one. Can we get that slide up here? Okay, see that? Is this ringing a bell? Um, so th- this is called a stereogram. Now, there is a picture hidden in there. I don't know if you can see it. Uh, as a kid, I wasn't very good at seeing these things. You, you have to like put your face up to it and kind of like move back and forth and kind of change your focus. So like I wasn't good at figuring these out as a kid and seeing the hidden image. Um, in fact, I'm not good as an adult either figuring it out and seeing the hidden image. But, but these pictures, if you look, actually they say if you, you can train your eyes. You can train your eyes. There's, there's an object. So in this picture, there's actually a cube. I don't know if you can see it or not. You probably, you probably can't. Um, but there's a cube in this picture. And if you can see it, if you train your eyes, actually, it's a crystal. You can see a crystal clear image of a cube. Now let's take that picture down because I know you won't stop looking at it trying to see the cube. <laughs> and here's the thing. As we, as we prepared for this passage today, I just felt like one of the, like a big thing that God wants us to do is he wants for us to shift our focus. In order to see that crystal clear image of a cube, you have to shift your focus. You have to change your perspective. In fact, the, when, they, when they coach you on how to see these hidden images that are there, they're there, they're right in front of you, but to see it, you actually have to look through the picture almost as if you're not looking at it. And I just felt as we were coming together this morning that God just, just putting on my heart, he wants to shift our perspective. He wants to give us a new focus. He wants us to see something perhaps that's right in front of us. And so often God does this in his word. We read these stories, we hear these Bible stories and, and sometimes we can almost get like, yep, heard that, yeah, Jesus did that amazing thing. And it's really important that we pause and we consider the magnitude and the magnificence and the beauty of what God is doing. And we need to shift our focus uh, in order to see it at times. And, and so I have um, with me today, Samantha McCutcheon, who helps uh, Wes lead our youth. And the youth are big fans of Sam and Wes, as you, as you hear. Um, 
And uh, Samantha gives support to, with West uh, to our youth across our four Jubilee locations. John Wilson's up here. He's doing a pastoral. There you go. Love, love for John. I appreciated that. Past, uh, John's doing a pastoral internship with us, uh, serving. He serves our First Impressions team. Uh, he serves our J-Kids. He's been a blessing uh, to you. Uh, similar to the gap, you're in many ways behind the scenes that you don't see. And I know, I'm confident that as we unpack this story of what God uh, is doing through this miracle, that you will be uh, strengthened and, and challenged. So I'm just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a quick prayer for us, and then Sam's going to come. Lord, I just pray that as we look at this story, Holy Spirit, that you would shift our focus, shift our perspective. Let us see, God, how you are speaking to me, to us through this story. Lord, how you want to challenge us and, and transform us, God, and how you want to work uh, through us in our life. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Have you ever noticed sometimes how succinctly the Bible um, talks about Jesus and his miracles. Even in our passage here, it says that Jesus started healing the sick, and then by the time we know it, it's the end of the day. I wonder what the specific stories of each healing were. Some stories we don't get to see the details of, but we do get a look inside this conversation with Jesus and his disciples before he miraculously feeds this crowd. It's a short conversation that we get to hear, and they are straight to the point with each other but we might be able to see some similarities between the disciples and ourselves in this conversation with Jesus. Particularly in the way Jesus, the disciples come to Jesus and how they come to him. Then of course, we'll see how Jesus rocks the boat and what Jesus calls out in the disciples. First, we see the disciples coming to Jesus with an idea of what they think the rest of the evening should look like, either out of hope that they would also get something to eat or out of true compassion for the crowd. Honestly, it's probably both, and that's okay. They come to Jesus with a plan and say, the day has come to an end. Send the crowd away. Go into the villages and buy, some, buy food for themselves. This, for me, is probably one of the very most relatable moments from the disciples. I don't know if I'll ever be tempted to cut off someone's ear or to beg to have this, the seat next to Jesus in heaven, but coming up with a plan when I see no one has taken charge, especially when it involves food, I am there. <laughs> What's interesting about this conversation between Jesus and the disciples is they weren't really asking Jesus. They were telling Jesus what to do. When the disciples went to Jesus, their plan, with their plan, they were treating him as the leader of the crew, not as Lord of the universe, who had spent the whole afternoon bending the reality of what we know about sickness. For the disciples, Jesus was the barrier from where they were and where they wanted to be. In this moment, Jesus was just the gatekeeper to what they wanted. Like usual, this is another thing that I can relate to the disciples with. I come to God and say, so I saw there was an issue. I spent some time working on it. No need to thank me. This is how you should probably handle it if you're wanting to help out. <laughs> Almost as if I'm a small business owner coming to a bank for a loan. Here's what I need. Do you accept or decline? But that's just not how our father operates. We see here right on cue, Jesus throws a wrench in their plan. As we know, he starts by saying, don't send them away from me. Because I know I'm so prone to coming to God with my plan, this caused me to look back at the creation of the disciples' plan. The plan was pretty structurally sound. The disciples observed that there was a need and they obviously saw that there was a lack in resources. 
Then we see Jesus responds, telling them to feed the crowd supper. The disciples had already done their research. They had not come to Jesus unprepared. They already knew exactly how much food they had available to share. They had taken thorough stock and deemed it too little. And really, that's the great thing. That's what makes this a miracle a miracle. It was too little. We can't act like the disciples were crazy for coming up with a plan. Isn't this exactly what we do? We take stock and let God know what we can handle, what we can't, and how much we're willing to give of our resources. We can't assume that they thought they were going to see a great multiplication of these fish and this lo- this, these loaves. But then again, hadn't Jesus spent all day doing miraculous works of healing? What would keep him from providing even more for this crowd? Jesus was calling out on the disciples a greater dependence on what he could do, and not only what he could do, but what he could do through the disciples. In Ephesians, it tells us that God is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. This is the God, the Father that we are serving. We have a Father that consistently and repeatedly loves to surprise us. In the fall, my wonderful mom got sick and was getting worse quickly. The doctor suspected that she had a disease called idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. In layman's terms, they just believed that her lungs were slowly turning into scar tissue and it wouldn't stop until she had no function of her lungs. My mom went from healthy to being on oxygen full-time and barely able to move in about a month or two. With this diagnosis, there was three things that could happen. One, a miraculous healing. Two, a lung transplant. Or three, death, inevitably. So like a good daughter, I came to God and prayed desperately for option one or two. And if I could really get my way, I'd like option number one. In the midst of my mom planning her funeral, we got surprising news that this wasn't a deadly disease, but it was an autoimmune disorder that was just really difficult to diagnose. Today, she's totally off oxygen, and they're hopeful that she'll make a full recovery. <laughs> yeah. God surprised us with how he expressed his abundance towards my mom. Now, as she takes her respiratory therapy classes, she's witnessing to the therapist about the goodness of God. When Jesus tells the disciples to feed the crowd, we see how they respond. They say, we only have two fish and five loaves of bread. The disciples had eliminated the option for feeding because of what they only had. Their plan would have called the day to an end. They had called to an end what Jesus was just starting to do. Here we see Jesus requires this, all that we have and to bring it to him. We don't see Jesus griping about what they had being too little. What we have is never too little, but he does ask for all of it and he does ask us to bring it to him. In our passage at the end of the day, the crowd would have eaten either through the disciples' plan or Jesus' way. But we, what we get to see instead is how our Father wants to express and for us to bask in his great abundance towards his children. We don't need to come to God with the best plan that we can think of. What we have to do is come to him and give him all we've got, even if it's small or absolutely nothing. 
Jesus was calling the disciples and is calling us now into a greater dependence on him. We were told that they all ate and were satisfied. This is what happens in the presence of Jesus. We come in need and Jesus satisfies us. When we come to God now, what are our conversations looking like? Do we come with our game plan and ask him for a thumbs up to give us the green light? Or instead, do we say like in Psalms, let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust, make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Let us habitually proclaim, all I have is yours, I give it all to you. A few months after I moved to St. Louis, I destroyed my car engine because I forgot to change my oil. I know all the fathers are mad at me right now. (laughs) I didn't realize how far I had driven in it and my change oil light, of course I didn't know at the time, was broken. It was an easy mistake to make, but I felt so stupid. And not only that, I felt really embarrassed and there was absolutely nothing I could do about it. I had no plan to get a new car and I had no uh, money to fix this car. Because it was my own stupidity that got me into this mess, I just felt like God didn't need to help me. Maybe I shouldn't even come to him. But for some reason, I still did. I came to God with no plan, and I didn't even have a I only have, because I had nothing. Somehow, I was even worse off than the disciples in this story. At the time, I had been reading the Old Testament and pondering God's provision for the Israelites, even while they were wandering in the wilderness. And when I went to God in my desperation and frustration, I felt him say to me, you think I'm a God that will just cause you to survive. It's not true. I'm a God of abundance and you can count on it. I'll spare the details, but each step of the way, God provided for that specific situation. God was expressing to me and that he wasn't just dealing with me like an interrupted, disgruntled boss deals with an employee, but actually delighting in me through his provision for me. That's what we can expect from God our Father. We can see our process of coming to God can look very similar to the disciples. We come with a plan created out of the resources we have. Then oftentimes, God's rocks our boat and calls us into a greater dependence of what he wants to do in and through us, blessing us, him, and those around us. Our role in this is every day, with great need or little, coming to him with what we have and expect him to satisfy and surprise us in whatever way that he chooses. Yeah, so like Sam said, we can come to him with what we have and we can expect him uh, to meet that need to satisfy us and to surprise us. And oftentimes it is a surprise because we have this idea of what it's supposed to look like. And oftentimes it's not like what we expect or what we had initially hoped for, but he does provide. And to be honest, Jesus was going to satisfy the need that day. They were going to eat. The disciples just had to trust him. They had to trust him and allow him to do something through them so that they could experience the power of God. But trusting and expecting That's easier said than done, right? Like when that rubber meets the road, that's when it gets really, really hard. When we read this story, and if you've read it before, 
Have you ever stopped and wondered what that moment was like that Jesus handed back the bread and told them to go feed him? Like, so they come and they say, okay, this is all we have. Jesus, hey, bring it to me. Okay, here you go, Jesus. Jesus prays, uh, gives it up to heaven, and then he breaks it and hands it back. And it's now smaller than what they gave it to Jesus in the first place. And they're looking at thousands of people with this little thing. Like, I would have looked at Jesus and said, you might want to try again because that did not work the first time. But they don't do that. They trust him, they take him at his word and they trusted it. And it was while they moved forward with what Jesus had said to do that the miracle began to happen. So several years ago, God had called me to a moment like this in my life and not really exactly as big, like I was not feeding thousands of people with one loaf of bread, but it was a point in my life where I really had to trust that God was gonna come through. And it made absolutely no sense on paper. So I just enrolled in this ministry residency program and every student that goes through, they have to support raise a $6,000 tuition. And so they wanted us to support raise so that we could experience what it looked like to rely on God financially. And I was up for the challenge of support raising my tuition, but I was still working at a hotel on the weekends to cover all of my living expenses. And so when I was in this residency, I was in kids ministry and all the time kids would come up, hey, Mr. John, can you come to my game this weekend? I'm sorry, I gotta work this weekend, I'm sorry. Hey, Mr. John, I got a dance recital, can you come? I'm sorry, I gotta work this weekend. So it happened over and over and I felt this conviction every time I said no, like I wasn't fully going into what the Lord had for me. And so finally, one day I was at a school lunch and I was having lunch with my favorite kid. And if you're in kids ministry, you serve in kids ministry, everybody has a favorite kid. You're not supposed to, but everyone has a favorite kid. And this kid Beckham comes up to me. He goes, hey, Mr. John, I got a game this Saturday. Can you come? I'm sorry, buddy, I can't. And he kind of gave me this look like, yeah, you have work, don't you? And it was so heartbreaking. It was such this deep conviction. I could almost cry when he said it. I remember it. And I got in my car and I started driving. I was like, God, I want to do these things. I don't know what to do, God. I need to work because I need money. But at the same time, I want to go all in and really serve these kids well. And I felt like God said, and when I say I felt like God said, it wasn't this loud thundering voice from heaven that came down. It was this still small voice on my heart that just said, you need to quit your job. Oh, hold up, hold up, hold up. Because I'm looking at my bills on this paper and I cannot afford to quit my job. And I'm arguing back and forth. He said, John, I'm gonna provide for your tuition and I'm gonna provide for your living expenses as well. And again, I went back to my Dave Ramsey written budget, holding it up to heaven like he could see it. But I wrestled with him and then finally I just said, okay, I'm gonna trust you. So I go into work. And I give them my two week notice and they think I'm crazy. I feel like I'm a little crazy. And for two weeks, I am saving every dollar I can, like pennies, just putting it away. So nervous as I get closer to this edge and on my last day of work, that morning was the day that we were all publishing our GoFundMe pages to, uh, to pay for the residency. So I remember it's 6 a.m. before I go in for work and I'm so nervous. I'm like, okay, God, I need you to catch me. So I post it. I go into work and I am so stressed and I finally have a break. So I go to the break room and I sit down, I pull out my phone because I'm like, I just need to see, did anybody give? Does anyone believe in this? Whatever. I open my phone up. One person gave 50, another person gave 100 and then one couple gave $5,850 and completely paid off the tuition. 
And it was God saying, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide. You just have to trust me. And so I got my phone and I didn't even have the couple's number who it gave. So I had to get their phone number. I called them and I'm just crying. Thank you so much. Why you did not have to? Why, why did you do this? They just said, well, it's God's money. We feel like he put it on our heart to give it to you and he wanted us to do this. And they just, I mean, it changed my life, but they just believed that God was saying they needed to do this. And Jesus wanted me in that story. Jesus wanted me to trust him. He wanted me to take that step and trust that he'll provide. And he does this all through our life. God is creating opportunities day in and day out where we can join him in the work that he's already doing. And all we have to do is say yes. And so now when we go back to our story, after the disciples say yes, we don't really know when they realized what was actually happening. Like we have the beginning, okay, they get it, they turn around, here's thousands. And then, oh, Jesus provided and fed everybody. But what would that moment had been like when they have the bread and they turn? And now there's 5,000 men and that's not including women and children. So there's probably 15,000 or so people. And they're just sitting here with like a couple bites of bread looking at thousands of people. And I always feel bad for that first person who got fed because you know, as they walked up, they were just like, this is it. Nope, that's too much. Here you go. Nope, that is all you get. And then as, it, and they're nervous, like what is happening? Oh God, what are you gonna do? And the second person, wait a minute, that's a full basket of bread. Here you go, that's a full bread. And they started to experience the miracle as they were going out and handing the bread. And what first started as this nervousness of, God, are you gonna do something? Turns into this utter confidence, like, God, you are working through me. You are doing this miracle. And I feel like Peter was really stingy at the beginning, but then like turned into Oprah with the bread and was just throwing it to everybody. Like the excitement that came as they were experiencing God work through them. It had to be amazing. And this is how God loves to work, right? He doesn't give us the full blueprint. He wouldn't do that. If he gave us the full blueprint, we wouldn't need faith, right? Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We often have step one, we get a glimpse of step five. And we have to trust Jesus for two, three, and four, and just trust that he's gonna come through. And it's so important that we read our Bible because when it's hard to do that, we can refer back to the scriptures. The scriptures are filled with people who got this prompting from the Lord and then took a step of faith and got to experience him in an incredible way. I heard this quote recently of a guy who was preaching. I thought this was so good. And he said that we often, whenever we feel like the Lord is giving us something or prompting us or leading us in a direction, the first question we ask is we always say, oh, but what if it's not God? What if it's not God? Like we could be sitting in a worship service and we get this word on our heart that we feel like we're supposed to share, but then we start thinking, ah, oh, but what if it's not God? That's not gonna fit, that might sound silly. What if it's not God? Or maybe you're called to lead or you feel like you wanna serve, but what if it's not God? And this gentleman proposed that we start reframing that question. And rather than saying, what if it's not God? What if the first thing we say, what if that is God? 
What if that really is God that's telling me to do that? What if he wants to do something incredible? What if that really is a word from the Lord to share? What if he really wants me to pray for healing and he wants to do it? What if it is God? You know, we look back at the Old Testament, I think of Moses, and I think of him leading the Israelites out of Egypt and the Egyptians are chasing them and he gets to the Red Sea and the Lord's saying, okay, you're gonna lift your staff and I'm gonna split the Red Sea. But he's wrestling, what if, what if it's not God? What if it's not God? What if I just lift it and he doesn't do anything? What if it's not, but, but, but what if it is God? What if it is God? And when I lift this staff, what if this sea splits like I believe he's saying he's gonna do? And then everybody for generations gets to tell the story of God rescuing us. What if it is God? And as we know, Moses lifts his staff, the sea splits and God rescues the Israelites. And now for generations, they have a story to tell. Or I think of Joshua, when he gets to the Jordan River and the Lord is saying, okay, you're gonna have the priests step their foot in and when their foot hits the water, I'm gonna rush back the river so that you guys as well can walk through on dry ground. What if it's not God? What if it's not God? They're gonna think I'm crazy. Maybe there's another way around. If we go further back that way, what if it's not? But what if it is God? What if it is God and he wants to do it again? I've heard stories of him doing it. I know what he did through Moses. What if it is God and he wants to do it again? And as we know, he gives the command, they step foot and the river rushes back and they experience the power of God. And with the disciples, they took Jesus at his word. They believed that Jesus was God and they went and they started and they got to experience this miracle through them or that couple. They could have said, what if it's not God? That's a lot of money. We're not going to get, no. They just said, what if it is God? And they believed him and they blessed me and they made it to where I could serve in the way that I felt Jesus was calling me to serve in that season. And it not only changed my life then, it changed my life moving forward. I can lead differently because I can trust in the way that Jesus will provide because of that. So what if we start asking that question? What if it is God? When I feel prompted to serve, I feel prompted with a word. What if we start initially asking, what if this is from God? Whatever that is, whatever that prompting is in your heart, that wrestle, whatever it is, say yes and see what he can do with that. I want us to hear really loudly that last thing that John said when he asked the question, what he can do what he can do. Because see, so often we do, we connect with the disciples, right? We can connect with, yeah, I know what it's like to feel like I don't have anything to bring to the table, God. Like I've got nothing here. What I have is very little or it's next to nothing. Or, or we can relate to the feeling of like, man, if I step out in faith, like I don't know what's gonna happen. And, I, and you're like John, like wondering, like, is God gonna catch me? Like we, we can connect with that. And the, real, the reality is that's what the disciples are. They're just these, there's these regular guys who come to Jesus and they've, They've, like Simon said, they presented the problem. They've also presented the solution. But the shift in focus that God wants, I believe God wants us to do, is understanding what he can do. What he can do. What kind of environment do we create in our homes, for our children, in our friend groups, in ourselves, when we stop and remember that nothing is impossible for God? What kind of stories has God given you? And does God want to give you in those moments where you approach him, not on the basis of what you can do or your capacity, 
or how you expect him to work, but on the basis that he is God and he is the author and creator of life and the sustainer of all things and the provider of all that we need, the one who knows exactly what we need and wants to liberate us from our anxious selves and provide for us and bless us and work through us to reach other people. See, we, God, does God want to satisfy you? Yes and amen. Does God want to heal you? Yes and amen. Does God want to liberate you from that sin you're entangled? Yes and amen. You know what? We, we got to not lose sight of the 5,000, of the 15,000. See, God wants to do those things in you and through you because standing right behind you is a friend, is a family member, is a coworker, 10 people, 100 people, 1,000 people. There are people standing behind you right now that God wants to do a work in your life. He wants to stretch you in a way that you're not comfortable being stretched. There's a yes he's wanting you to lead with so that he can bless you and so that he can reach the people standing around you. It's how he works. It's what he loves to do. See, he loves to include his children on the mission that he is here. Jesus came to save, to seek and save the lost. He came to heal. He came to redeem what is broken. And you know what so often we do is we discredit. We put our eyes on ourselves. We see what we are not. We look to one another and we compare ourselves to one another. We see the things that we're not. We see the resources that we don't have. We see the things that we've not done or the things we, we, we've done in the past or things we haven't done yet. And here's God's invitation. He's saying, come on, listen, lift your, put your eyes on me on who I am, on what I can do. Your weaknesses and our limitations are not too great for God to handle. He has a multitude of people that he wants to reach through you. The Bible says that God has laid out good works for you to walk in. Are you living with that? Are you living with the purpose and the reality that God has works, yes, for the person next to you, yes, for John and Samantha, yes, for these, does, are you living with, for you, God has good works for you to walk in, that he's specifically designed for you. He has people that, strangers, friends, relatives, he's got, he's got people he has put specifically in your life and positioned you uniquely in your place so that he can bless them through you. He has good for you. He has good works that he wants to lead you in. And I know that we don't always feel equipped. We don't feel like we have enough. And that's why stories like this and Jesus and his disciples and him working through them and performing this incredible, incredible miracle, they're so important for us. Because here's the thing, if we, if we say yes to God, if we lead with the yes, and these disciples, like John pointed out, they had to lead with a yes. They didn't, Jesus didn't pray and magically 20,000 baskets of food showed up. That's not what happened. God multiplied it as they gave it away. It multiplied. And, and, and God is going to ask you to do some crazy things if you say yes to him. Asking 12 guys to feed 15,000 people is crazy. God does it though all through scripture. Like it's crazy to ask people to march around a city and play instruments to win a war. That's crazy. It's crazy, as John pointed out, for Moses to stick a staff in the ground and for a sea to part. Like, that's crazy. 
God does crazy all the thing, all the time. And the thing that I think he, one of the things he loves to do is I think he loves for us to be like, I can't do this. And he's like, exactly, exactly. Believe me for it though. Say yes to me and see what I'll do through you. And God wants to invite you today. Where's your focus at? And the disciples said, hey, people need to eat. You need to send them away. They were focused on what they could do. They weren't focused on what God could do. And Jesus graciously and patiently worked through them to bless a multitude of people. God wants to work through you to bless a multitude of people. And my encouragement to you today, my invitation to you is to live first putting your eyes and your intention on who God is and whatever that thing is. And there's a number of things that could be right, but the thing that you keep, maybe that's holding you back or disqualifying you, I just want you to bring that to God and bring that to a friend this week. Bring it to a community, bring it to someone in your community group. Talk to someone and say, you know what? I feel like God's leading me in this place and all I can see is all the reasons why I can't. Tell someone that. Take what's happening in here and what's happening in here and bring it out into the open. Let someone else encourage you. Let someone else give you perspective. Let someone else agree with you. You know what? You can't do that. Thank God we have a God who is, the, who is over all things and can do all things. Man, that person that you're praying for, that like, man, you've, you've, you're ready to give up. And you're like, I've pr- you've done it. You've prayed, you've prayed, you've prayed. You, you're ready to give up. God's wanting to remind you, hey, there's, there, there's no person I can't reach. There's no one who's too far. There's nothing that I can't do. And when we talk to someone, when we bring our fears and our insecurities, we bring them out into the open, God just has a way of breaking the power that they have in our life. So I just wanna encourage you to talk to someone this week. Share your fears, share your insecurities. And we Don't ever want a Sunday to go by without there being a clear invitation for you to be transformed by Jesus, for you to know him as your savior. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't know Jesus as my savior. I I don't know that I can say I've been transformed by him. Jesus wants to save you. He came, he put his power on display He worked, we have all the stories in scripture because Jesus wants us to know, he wants you to know that he is God. And not only that he is God and not only that he is powerful, but he went to the cross because there is a divide between us and him called our sin. And we can never be good enough to get to him. And so he paid the price for us on the cross. He nailed it to a tree so that we can receive Keyword, receive his forgiveness. Receive the life that he has for us in him. God wants to give you his Holy Spirit. He wants to make you brand new. And there's no good deed, no good act. There's no bar that you have to reach in order to get it. It's something that happens first place in our heart by receiving him as Lord. A lot of people have Jesus as a lot of things. They have him as a buddy. They have him as a friend. They have him as a consultant. Not nearly as many have him as Lord. Turning their life over to him, saying, you know what? I'm not a good leader of my life. I see all the limitations that I have. I need a better leader. I need, I need, I need the source and going to Jesus and say, I'm gonna let you be the leader and Lord of my life. And if you wanna do that today, 
It's a standing invitation every second of every day until Jesus returns to receive what he has done for you and to receive him as Lord and Savior and to receive the life that God has for you. So don't leave today without, if that's you praying with someone, being encouraged by someone, we'll have people up here to pray for you today in just a moment. Jesus is at the door knocking. He's wanting to be let in, wanting you to know him and you can receive him. Let's ask God to shift our perspective so that we can see what he's doing, what's there right in front of us. And this is what he promises. He is doing a good work. He's doing a good work in your life. Let's stand and let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. God, we read stories like this and I just, I wanna thank you for your patience. Lord, we, we are just like the disciples. We are just like them. We get our eyes focused on ourselves. We get our eyes focused on what we can do, God. But Lord, we, I know and believe that you're wanting to shift our focus to who you are and what you can do. Lord, you're wanting us to say, Lord, it's not my life, it's yours. Lord, it's not my money, it's yours. Lord, it's not my resources, it's yours. What would you like to do? And to surrender all the apprehension and fear that comes along with the question of what are you gonna do? Because here's what we know, you're doing a good work, God. You are seeking and saving the lost. You are blessing the multitude. You are wanting to work through imperfect vessels for our limitations to be put on display so that the limitless God can be put on display. So that the God who is Jehovah Jireh, who is the beginning and the end, who out of love for his creation went to the cross, Lord, that is who you are. You are good through and through. Lord, we wanna live in that goodness today. We wanna trust you with everything that you have given to us, knowing that you wanna work good through it, Lord. We want to open our hands and our hearts and our minds to you and say, God, what would you like to do? Because you can do anything. Where I see limitations, God, nothing is impossible for you, Lord. I just pray, Lord, you'd begin ministering to us personally in our hearts, exposing fear, exposing where we are focused on ourselves, God. Lord, I pray you'd bring things into the light and we begin breaking them in our life so that we can walk in confidence and to see you clearly and to see through the circumstances of what you're doing, to see the beautiful picture that you're painting on the other side, God. We pray that in Jesus' name. As the band leads us in worship, I just wanna invite you to come and receive prayer. Need healing, need encouragement, feel God speaking to you, don't know how to articulate it, that's okay. Come forward, the team would love to pray for you today. Just pray God's love over you today. Pray God's power moving in your life today. I know that can feel like a scary thing to step out and come forward, but God moves powerfully when we pray. So don't miss out on that invitation. Let's worship together.